I've gotten into trouble a lot in my life. I've got lots of scars all over my body that can prove to some of these. I remember one time very vividly many years ago, many, many years ago, probably close to 30 years ago, maybe a little less than that, but in that 25 to 30 year range, we were in Key West. And um, one of the fruits that I like eating is mamoncillos. I think some countries call it canepes or canepas. There's different ways to call it in different countries. And little Spanish lime, some people call them. I don't know why, because it don't taste like a lime, but it looks like a little lime. We're in Key West, and these grow in Key West. I remember actually a, a summer on vacation with my dad in Barbados, and we saw them growing, and I knocked on somebody's house, like, can I get some? Like, I just, I like it. And so I found this tree full of them. And I proceeded to climb the fence to reach, to grab them. And as I was reaching over from the top of the six-foot chain link fence, I slipped and landed on my stomach on the spikes of the front of the chair, of the top of the chain link fence. And I had to push myself off and kind of like pull it out, right? Like it was in there. And I heard the question we've heard a million times, everybody. Come on. What were you thinking? Anybody here ever hear that before? Any of you ever say that to your kids? <laughs> Anybody ever say that to your spouse? What were you thinking? I've heard that question a heck of a whole lot. I remember, <laughs> here's another one, being about five years old on my big wheel. And my brother was a lot faster than me on his bicycle. And I found a rope and I said, if I tie my big wheel to the rope with a rope to his bike, then I can go faster only to fall off and like destroy the skin off the thing. And I heard the question, what were you thinking? Speed, fast, like, yeah, I want that, right? Can I tell you our thoughts? Man, they're very powerful. Our thoughts are very, very powerful and I actually wrote it down this way. What we spend time thinking about tends to be what we bring about or what we bring out. What we spend time thinking about. You know, the world system has a counterfeit for everything that God has made. And the current counterfeit to what our thoughts are and bringing faith things into existence is people saying we have to manifest these things and I'm going to manifest it. And that is the counterfeit of the world to what faith is in God. But what you tend to spend time thinking about is what you're going to bring about. And everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. And the thought then starts to plan and make an action. And even about everything becoming or starting with a thought, sin starts with a thought. Does it not? It's what James tells us. If you go to James chapter 1, go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. Look what he says there, James chapter 1. By the way, if you've never read the book of James, I encourage, if you are a Christian, read the book of James. It teaches us how to walk as a believer. It's five chapters. It's very short. You should read it a several times over. But in James chapter 1, verse 14, look what it says. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. The drawing away by your own desires and enticement is the thought. You are drawn away. You are tempted when the thought comes in. And then look at what happens, verse 15. When the thought or the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
And sin, what is full grown, brings forth death. It all starts with a thought. And, and, and look, at, if we read it clearly, it says, when desire has conceived, when your thought has conceived, in other words, when your thought has a baby called action, it becomes sin. You thought about it, and you thought, and you thought, and you thought, and you thought yourself into doing it. You didn't talk yourself into doing it. You thought yourself into doing it. And let me tell you, there is a battle being waged against our minds. It has been since the dawn of creation, and it will forever be a battle for our mind. And if I were to do and keep analytics of the root cause of the counselings, when I have counselings over the last six months, I can tell you, over the last six months, probably an 85% of the root cause of the situation that I'm facing and talking with people is started with a thought. Whether it be a personal situation, a family situation, a relationship situation, it's all started with a thought. The lie that we think of ourselves, what somebody else thinks of us, or what society thinks, all of these, it all starts with a thought. And there is a battle being waged and being fought for what goes into our mind. Sin starts with a thought. Compromise starts with a thought. And now let me tell you this. The thought coming isn't our main problem entertaining the thought is. I'm going to say it one more time. The thought coming isn't the main problem. The thought coming isn't the sin. It's entertaining it. What does it mean to entertain? If you look it up in the dictionary, the word entertain means to give attention to. What am I giving attention to? And so when the thought comes in, if I give it attention, if I begin to ponder on it, if I begin to let it be there and I ruminate on it, that's when it deviates us and leads us down a wrong path. So I made this statement, let's not entertain the thought. Let's not entertain the thought. Let's not entertain the thought. Now, what do I mean by let's not entertain the thought? Go to Romans 13. Romans chapter 13 Romans 13, verse number 14. This, this whole little section there, starting in verse 11, Paul is talking to the Roman church about putting on Christ. And in verse 14, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, say provision, for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The word provision, we think of provision, it means to be taken care of, right? Well, the word provision, literally, when you look at this word in the original language, it means to give forethought to something, to think about it, to make a plan. So what is Paul writing? Don't entertain and make a plan on the thought process that's going to lead you to sin. That's going to, what does it say? Provision for the flesh. Man, we're experts at doing that. We're experts at not going to do it. But, but you know what? Nobody's going to know. What is that? Like that, that, that thing on social media? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody's going to say, everybody saw it, right? Like it, it, it's true. We know, I think nobody knows, but God knows. So don't make provision. Don't make a plan. Don't entertain it. You know, when you have a guest coming over to your house, we do serve things, right? Like if you have guests coming to your house, you, you clean. At the very least, you throw everything into a room and shut the door. Let's be real. 
You show everybody your houseboat that one door. <laughs> no, you don't want to go in there. Trust me, you know? What do we do? We start preparing all these things to bring in someone and entertain them and feed them and give them something to drink. One of the first things we offer to somebody when they come into your house, would you like a glass of water? Would you like anything to drink? Do you want coffee? Do you want tea? We're entertaining them. And we do that with thoughts that come into our mind sometimes. The world system tells you you need mindfulness. Empty your mind. No, 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 no. I am not emptying my mind. I'm filling it with Jesus. Because in the minute that I empty my mind, the thoughts that come in are usually not godly welcome thoughts. So what does the world tell you? Have mindful. I remember that when, when COVID started and we were doing this online learning and online school. My girls know we've been teaching them since they were little. We don't do meditation by what the world calls meditation. We meditate on the word of God. And all of a sudden, we're, we're in the thing, and Abigail pops out of her, her room, and, she, and we're like, you're supposed to be on your computer with your teacher. And she says, they're doing meditation. And I said, what? I was like, good job. I'm glad you logged out. We go, and I send an email. Immediately, I'm sending an email to the teacher. We do not practice meditation in our home. We believe that scripturally you fill your mind with Christ. We do not empty our mind to allow this and think about a cat jumping on the bed because they're leading him through his baloney or whatever. And I send the email and I log her back into the computer and it was hilarious because the teacher is talking to the kids as she reads my email and I can tell because she's talking to the kids saying, well, thank you for those that stayed on or whatever. And she reads it. But if you don't want to do meditation or dinner, like, it's just like, and you could tell as she's telling the kids in a way that you weren't supposed to log off, she's like, oh, I just got, you know. No, no, no. We're teaching them. My responsibility as a parent, teach her, right? We don't practice that. We don't do that. What do I need to do? I don't clear my mind and let it just be blank. I fill it with the Lord in order to push out the thoughts that don't need to be there. Again, the thoughts are going to come, but I don't need to entertain the thought. And that's why Paul writes, don't make a provision. Don't plan, foresight, forethought, premeditated plan, making preparation for. That is what that word provision means. Don't make a plan for it. Let's not entertain the thought. So what do we need to do? Watch, this is going to be like groundbreaking. Like, like it's going to like rock you. Change what we think about. Change what we think about. Well, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Because usually we get down a rabbit hole of thoughts. And this thought leads to this thought that leads to this thought that leads to this thought that leads to this thought. And before you know it, you don't even know what you started thinking about, but it's all bad. So we got to change the thought process. How do we change the thought process? Tell me, how, Pastor? How, Pastor? Oh, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> how do we change the thought process? Well, I wrote it this way. There's a couple of questions we should ask ourselves. When the thought comes in, we should ask ourselves some questions. The first question that I think we should ask ourselves is this. What does this thought bring me? What does this thought bring me? 
Again, thoughts are going to come. And when the thought comes, I ask myself, what does this thought bring me? Well, does this thought bring me joy or sorrow? Does this thought bring me peace or anxiety? Does this thought bring me faith or fear and doubt? What is this thought bringing me? So let's back this up with the word of God. Again, I said it a minute ago. I encourage everybody to read the Bible every single day. You need to know that what is being spoken is aligned with what God says. Because if it's not aligned with what God says, then it's just self-help. And that's not what we're in the business of. We're in the business of following and obeying God. Right? So go to Philippians chapter 4. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Because Paul writes to the Philippian church here, what do we need to do? He says to them, start in verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Pastor, you just said we don't meditate. I said we don't do meditation and think you're blank. You meditate on the word of God and what God says to think about. So what do we do? We ask ourselves the question, what does this stop producing me? And here's the next question. Does this thought or would God agree with this thought? Is this a thought God wants me to be thinking about? I love it when people tell me, God, I'm, or Pastor, I'm praying for a sign. For what are you praying of the sign for? Well, because, you know, you know, I'm praying for my husband or I'm praying for my wife and, 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 and I want to meet that person and I know I'm not going to be single forever and I saw this guy at work and, and I'm talking to him and I think he might be the one, but I'm asking for a sign, you know, because he's married. There ain't no sign. It's already written. Thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> you don't need a sign. <laughs> so the thought or the thought comes in and you ask, is this thought something God would want me to do? Because it could be a good thought, right? Like, you're there, and all of a sudden you think, and you see this person, and, and you feel like, I need to tell them about Jesus. God, is, is this you? Is this something you want me to do? Absolutely. Like, there is no mistaking it. It already says it. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Talk to people about Jesus. But the thought comes in, and you see him, and it's like, oh, this person is probably a heathen. This da, 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 da. God doesn't want you doing that. God doesn't want you to judge people. God wants you to love people. God doesn't want you to put people down. He wants you to help them bring them to a relationship with him. God's desire is for all men to be saved. We're the vessels and the instruments to help them get the job done. Did you know that? You're an instrument of God. But sometimes as believers, we allow ourselves to be used by the enemy because of a thought that we entertained, that conceived and had a baby called action that became sin. What's in the thought? What's in the thought? So as we ask ourselves the question, how do we change the thought process? What do we think about when we put it through this verse? Is it noble? Is it true? Is it just? 
Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of a good report? On these things then I will meditate on, I will think about. And if it doesn't measure up, then I need to push it to the side. Well, how do I push it to the side? You know what Jesus told the disciples how to not enter into temptation? Watch and pray. Matthew 26, 41. Matthew 26, 41. This is when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. Three times he's praying. He's having the thought. Think about this for a second. Jesus in his mind is going through the fact he's about to get betrayed, beaten, and crucified and killed. So he goes to the garden with his disciples and tells them, y'all watch here while I go pray. And he says, Father, my thoughts tell me there's got to be another way. It's basically what Jesus is saying. He is asking God, because he says, if there's any other way, pass this cup from me. But let not my will be done, let your will be done. He goes back to the disciples, and they're like in a quinto sueño, right? Like they're asleep, snoring in the corner. I imagine Peter being the loudest snorer, but that's just what I think. I don't know. <laughs> so he wakes them up, and he's like, come on, guys. I need you to watch and pray. And he goes back, and he prays again. Father, if there's any other way. Then he goes back, and again, they're there, and he tells them, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen, you're not a failure. I'm not a failure. I just got weak flesh. So what do I need to do? Strengthen the spirit. Strengthen the spirit. Don't put yourself in the situation to fall. Don't put yourself in the situation. That's one of the ways that you overcome the temptation. Don't put yourself there. Pastor, I don't know. We did it again. I crossed the line. I crossed the thing. Why are you so close to the line? Why are you putting yourself? Let me tell you. It, it, somebody sent me a video uh, on a pastor's chat that I have with a couple of pastors. They sent us a video last week on Saturday, and they said, make sure this doesn't happen at church tomorrow, guys. And it's a video of a pastor who's praying, and his eyes are closed. And all of a sudden, as he's praying, he takes a step off the platform, and you hear, boom, 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 right? Let me tell you, I like, I, I try, and sometimes I, I've, I've slipped a little bit, and I was like, I got too close. I, if, if I get close to the edge, I might fall, right? Don't entertain it. Don't even get close. I need to have a, a three-inch window. Let's just give myself a little room, breathing room. Don't put yourself in the place because your flesh is weak. But your spirit, are you feeding your spirit? Can I tell you, the one that's going to get bigger and overcome most is the one you feed more. If you feed your spirit, man, you will be able to more often overcome temptation. But if you feed your flesh, then you will quench the voice of the spirit. Who are you feeding more? Who am I feeding more? Because who I feed is who's going to go. Who I entertain, that's what it's going to be. So we change what we think. We call out to God. We call someone. 
I met with somebody one time, some time ago, and they were dealing with anxiety and different things, and, and they told me I was at the grocery store, and I started to have this like full-edge-on panic attack. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know the thing, and I was just standing there, and, and I got my phone, and I called my spouse. And I just started talking to them. And I said, what happened? Well, as I was talking to them, I, started, I stopped thinking. And I was able to go and I was able to finish. And I paid and I got done. And I was like, I survived. I got through it. You changed the thought and you overcame the anxiety. You know who's the first person we need to call out? God. I don't care if the world thinks I'm crazy because I was at the store and I started feeling this anxiety. And I said, Jesus, help me. Holy Ghost, I need you. And we're looking, what's wrong with you? I can't do this alone, bro. Just trust me. <laughs> I need him. Who cares what the world thinks? I care about what God thinks. So watch and pray. So what do we do to overcome? We ask ourselves the question, what does this thought bring to me? Is this thought something God would want me to do or think about? I watch and I pray. What does it mean to watch? It means to guard. The Bible also tells us to take the thought captive. Take the thought captive. That sounds very poetic. So what does it mean? We'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul is writing specifically about the battle that we have waging in our mind. And he says in verse number three, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, the thought comes in and I ask, does it measure to what Jesus said, to what God said? If it does, I think about it. If it doesn't, I pull it out. I cast it out. The arguments, Paul calls them arguments. Man, I've had arguments with myself in my head. Have you not? I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking about me. And they're there. I'm not saying we're crazy, just, just in case, because hand motions could convey stuff. I'm just saying where the machine is still turning. Okay? just want to be clear. Somebody goes home and writes the thing. This pastor was wiggling his finger. He probably meant we were crazy. No, we're not crazy. Just the wheels keep turning and turning and turning. And it's nothing good that we're having the wheels turn about. It's our failure and our past and our pain and our hurt and what I think about myself or what my spouse and, and the this and the other. And, and what does Paul say? We're not fighting in the flesh. We're fighting in the spirit. What does that mean? Take authority of it and say No. And start then to think about what is good and true and noble and pure and praiseworthy. 
Can me tell you, this is an ongoing fight as long as you're alive on earth. The goal is that every day the fight becomes less and less in our own mind because we're able to be renewed. Has anybody ever had here an experience where they paint something and the paint just peels right off or breaks off? Anybody ever happened that before? And it's because the wall wasn't prepared right? We just paint it over something? We moved into our house uh, 11 some odd years, 11, a little over 11 years ago. And um, man, I, I, I don't, no matter how many times or what product we used in our shower, mildew would start growing again, like almost immediately. I would go get grout and clean it all, dry it all, and re-grout the entire thing. And it would start coming right back out. Like, what is wrong with this? So five years ago, fought this for years, right? Five years ago, we redo the bathroom. And in order to redo the bathroom, we go to get rid of the other one. And I, I go get the chipping hammer to chip out the tile. And I went, tunk, and it all just slipped off. Because what happened was that whoever laid that tile laid it on top of the other tile that was in the floor of the shower. And you don't lay tile on top of tile, especially in the shower. So no matter what I tried to fix, it was never going to be resolved until I got down to the bottom. And we can try to fix things and fake it and put the lipstick on the pig, but until you say, God, renew my understanding and my mind, and he gets to the root of it, we're going to continue to struggle with the thought process. So how do we constantly renew the mind? Well, what are we listening to? What are we watching? Who are we following on social media? Because we think it doesn't affect us. Oh, I just, I just scrolled right through it. It doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Until you see yourself taking your picture of a super happy, amazing moment. It's like, no, I can't post that because, you know, like, I'm not in the right angle. Huh. Yeah, it affected you. There's a study that was done. I just read it. Um, and then the university escapes me. If you ask me later, I'll go pull it out of my computer. But it was done by this psychologist talking about the way that the subconscious and conscience are affected by imagery, even when you're not thinking about it. And so they conducted all these studies where they would have like a black and white image of something, for example, like the sun. And they would tell the person, don't think of the word of this image nor how many letters it has. But as soon as you see it, you would say, that's the sun and it has three letters. How many of times they would tell you, hey, look, don't, don't, don't do this, but, and then what do you immediately want to go do? Do it. Because your subconscious became conscious of what was being done and it affects you. So what are we listening to? What are we watching to? What are we watching Oh, I'm trying to get better. I, I'm, I'm trying not to curse, and I'm trying to, 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 to use better language. Listen, if all you're listening to is music that has F-bombs every other word, it's going to come out of you because it's what you're putting in. You want to get over it? Stop listening to it. Stop putting it in. And it's not enough. Like, you know what I'm like, You know what? I, I'm going to lose some weight, so I'm giving up the Krispy Kreme donuts. I used to have, you know, one a day, and I'm not going to have it, and I haven't had it for a week. So that means today I can have seven. 
The same way you just laughed at that ridiculous statement is what the devil thinks of us when we're like, ah, if I just do God a little bit on Sunday, I'm good for the week. He's like, ah, I got you right where I want you. <laughs> I, well, he probably has a more wicked laugh than that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, we're only going to renew our mind based on what we feed our mind and how often we spend time with God. And some of us, we're not in the maintenance part. We're in the critical care, ICU part. Our spirit is in critical care because we have gone too long before going to get the help we needed. But we can do preventative. People, they see pictures of me a few years ago and they're like, Pastor, you lost a lot of weight. I did. I lost 40 pounds, and I've kept off about 39 of them, 38 maybe. I have, to, I have a few more i got to lose again. I was very, very strict when I was trying to get down from 200 pounds to where I'm at now, right? I was very strict. Now that I'm at the weight that I kind of want to be at, and I'm healthy with it, and my doctor says, okay, because I had gone to the doctor, the doctor was like, You're, you, you know, you... you Technically, you're obese, is what he told me. And then, of course, in my mind, my doctor is very heavy. He said, I was like, bro, you're one to talk. <laughs> Pot, cotton, kettle black, you know? That's what we do sometimes. I preached last week. One of our values is authenticity, all right? I'm going to keep it real. That's what I thought. Like, <laughs> so I was very, very strict. Now, it's been two years since I lost it all, so guess I, I, I don't have to be as strict anymore. I, 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 if Krispy Kreme donut is there, I, I'll have it. It's all right. I just Tomorrow, I'm not going to go crazy on it because I'm in the keep it going phase. I'm developing another preaching, and I don't know if it's, it might be a series, but I was studying gas mileage because sometimes we wonder why the tank of gas did not last as long as it lasted last time. And there's a lot of factors that go into the gas mileage on your car, like the speed, tire pressure, tire wear. How long you let your car warm up, the stop and go, all these things affect it. And I felt the Lord starting to give me a download on a message for that because we think about why is it that I get into his presence and I, I kind of feel like I need to run away because if you're carrying a heavy weight right now, you might be consuming more and you need, need to fill more. I don't know who that's for this morning. You may not be here the day I go to preach it, so I needed to share it. The cargo makes your car gas mileage change. It's a lot. But let's get into what we're talking about, our thoughts. When the thought comes in, we ask the question. And then, here's the key. This is key. After we think it, and it's there, you know what happens many times? We then speak it. And if I can tell you that your thoughts have power, let me let you know this morning, your words are very powerful. 
Proverbs 18.21 says that the power of life and death are in your tongue, and he who loves it will eat its fruit. What are you speaking? Are you speaking life over yourself and the relationship and the situation, or are you speaking death over yourself? What are we speaking? What are we confessing? What is it that we're saying? For years, inadvertently, I was cursing myself with something I would say. My background is education. Uh, that's what my degree's in, and I taught in Dade County Public Schools, and I trained teachers how to use technology in their classroom for many years. So that's my wheelhouse. That was my background. And when you study education, you learn about the different learning styles. And everybody has a learning style specific to them. Some people learn better by reading. Some people learn better by touch, call a tactile learner. Some people learn by hearing, which is an auditory learner. And everyone learns through all of them, but everyone has one dominant form of learning. My dominant form is auditory. I'm an auditory learner. I can remember almost verbatim things that I listen to or that I hear. It got me all through high school. It got me all through college. I would make friends with whoever was a really smart one that their learning style was reading about it. And I would say, hey, so you read the thing? T tell me about it. What was the thing that stood out the most? And listening to them talk about what they read, I got through it. So for years, I would say things, well, I need to listen to it because I don't retain what I read. And even when it came to studying and reading the word of God, I would listen to it instead of actually physically reading it and highlighting it. And even till like two years ago, I would seldomly pick up another book other than the Bible to read it because I'm an auditory learner and I don't learn by reading. That's not my strong suit. And I kept speaking that over my life. And one day, a few years ago, I said, what? Forget about what are you thinking. What are you saying, David? And I started changing the confession of myself. And I started reading. And in the last two years, I've read more books, like physically read them, than I had probably in the previous 20 to 25. And it was all changing what I was speaking over myself. Listen, it wasn't sin, and it wasn't sinful. It wasn't, sometimes we think, oh, it must be sin. No, no, no. Sometimes we're just speaking a condemnation, a thing over our life that we heard somebody else speak over us, a teacher, a, a parent, a person in authority, a spouse, something, and we continue to say it, and because we thought it, and now we speak it, we bring it into reality, and we must say, well, then it's true. Change your confession to align to what God thinks about you. Say that one more time. Change your confession to align to what God thinks about you. Because what God thinks about you, that's what's important. Not anybody else. It doesn't matter what you heard. It doesn't matter what anybody told you. If God said it, I'll believe it. And there's life in the power of my tongue. So I'm going to start confessing scripture. Confess scripture. And let me tell you, don't just confess scripture personalize it and confess it in first person. What, is, what, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes, we are healed, right? Isaiah. So confess it in first person. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. 
Confess it in the first person. Personalize it to you. Because it's what God says about you. Stop being like, oh, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. No, 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 no. Start declaring it. Me and my house will serve the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, those who are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I come to you, Lord, because you asked me to bring you my burdens, so I give them to you and I receive your rest. Confessing and declaring what God said about you in the first person. Think about when Jesus asked Peter, who do they say that I am? And he started saying, right? Then he asked Peter, and who do you say that I am? In other words, don't do anything else. What you believe about me will become the reality. And what you believe about what God said, if God promised it and you don't believe it, it is as good as nothing. What good is to have a check that was given to you for whatever amount of money, signed, dated, everything is thing, and there's money in the account, and you get the check and leave it in your safe? Nothing. And the Bible is full of the thoughts that we are to think about and the words that we are to confess over ourselves. Look, if you go back to Philippians chapter 4, we're getting ready to close if the worship team can come to the altar. We read Philippians 4, 8, but go back a few verses. Look what he writes down in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And verse 7 is a verse that we should all know. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look at that verse one more time. Leave verse 7 up for me, please. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You know what surpasses all understanding means? It doesn't make sense to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. That's what the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. They cannot understand it. Why you are at peace when they were laying off everybody else in your workplace. They not, cannot comprehend it. Why you still have a smile on your face and are walking in joy when you just got news that you've got a disease. Or when someone walked out. Or when your kids weren't walking with Jesus. And you're walking and, and they're like, oh, so, so but, but, but doesn't it hurt you? And doesn't it bother you? Can I tell you what Jesus said? He said that he would never leave me or forsake me, and that brings me peace. Can I tell you what Jesus said? He said, you're going to have tribulations, but I've overcome the world. Can I tell you what Jesus said? The Father, through the prophet Isaiah, he's got me in the palm of his hand. And so it's like, so you walk in this like super faith. Nope, let's be real. I walk into super, super, super hard making sure I don't think about that other stuff and think about what God said. So let's go back to verse seven. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, 
your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. The word guard there is the, in the root word, it is a military term used of the sentinel or the person that they would stand in the corner of the outpost to like watch over the camp to announce if there was an enemy attacking. It is a military term saying that the peace of God will stand guard against any attack that is coming to rally the troops and let's go forward. Again, Philippians, can you put Philippians 4, 7 up for me? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. And that's where then it goes to, therefore, whatever is good, noble, truth, worthy, praiseworthy. Think about this. Church, there is a war that has been waged in the mind. Since the Garden of Eden, when the serpent said to Eve, so is that what God really said? Mm. It started with a little thought. Is that what God really said? You see it all through it. You know what's a perfect picture of changing the thought? The prodigal son in Luke 15. He's in his pit. He's wanting to eat the slop of the pigs. And he starts to think in his mind, in my father's house, there's all these servants. They're all eating. They have food. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell him I'm not longer worthy. My thought will become a spoken word that I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me a servant. But what does the Bible say? That when he was still afar off, the father son him ran to him. And the kid tried. I'm no longer worthy. He said, shh. Bring the fatted calf. Bring the robe. Bring the shoes. Bring the ring. Throw a party. What you think about you is not what I know about you. Can I tell you this morning? God has plans for you. Come on, send to your feet. God has a purpose in your life. God has a call upon you. And today is the day that we say, I will no longer ponder and entertain on the thoughts that bring destruction to my life. But I will think and meditate on what God says. Thoughts and words aligned to God. I'm going to ask everybody just to close their eyes and bow their heads for a moment. I want you to put your hands physically on your head and declare it. I have the mind of Christ. I will not entertain the thoughts that do not please God. I will not entertain the lies of the enemy over my life. I will fill my thoughts. I will fill my mind with what God says. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God is working in some minds right now in this very minute. Some of you have walked in here and you honestly, you thought you should just give up on life. 
you were perhaps even thinking, how do I end it all? We cast that thought out in Jesus' name. And I remind you what God says, that he has purpose, that he has a call. He's put a plan in place and he is there holding you. You are not alone. When David went to fight Goliath, the words of everyone around him was, you can't do this. But David's words were, when a lion came and a bear came, God delivered me and God will deliver me from the giant who is defying him. That tells me David had a very good reminding system of what God had done for him. Church, here's another strategy, another God thing. Write down your victories and read them out loud. Keep it in the forefront. With every head bowed and every eye closed, today perhaps you walked in and you felt very far from God. Maybe because you've never surrendered to him, or maybe because you walked away. But can I tell you, God is here, ready to love you because he's never stopped. And so if you wanna to surrender to him, if you wanna get right with him, I just want you to pray this with me. We're gonna pray it together with you. This is a decision of just you and God. And you tell him, God, I'm a sinner. And on my own, I can't get to you, but I believe. Jesus is your son. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the grave to pay the price for my sin. So today, Jesus, come and live in my heart. Write my name in the book of life. And from now on, God, I'm yours, and you are mine. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship for just a couple of minutes because I feel my spirit that there are people that you just need to let lay some things down before the Lord. And in worship right now, some thoughts. There's some people that walked in with brokenness in their confidence and self-esteem because of circumstances and situations. No, no, no. God says you are worth it. God says the call upon your life is irrevocable. God says, you are my son, you are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. God says, I am with you. God says, I sustain you. God says, I hold you. God says, I lift you up. So as you worship right there where you are, literally tell him, God, I give you my brokenness and I walk out in my freedom. I declare in the name of Jesus, joy being restored in folks right now. I declare in the name of Jesus, confidence being restored. I declare in the name of Jesus, right now, sound mind being restored. I declare in the name of Jesus right now, healing in the emotions, healing in the mind, healing in the body. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare that we walk into the freedom that only comes from God. So right there where you are, you and God, let go of it and receive his freedom 
and his work in you. Online campus as well, right there where you are, just release the pain, release the burden, and walk into your freedom.